Now, I'm, I'm wondering, wondering if you guys um, remember the game show Deal or No Deal. Raise your hand if you've ever seen that game show before, okay? Most of us, yes. It was like all the rage, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago maybe now. Um, and so for those of you who maybe are somehow unfamiliar, um, you know, maybe you didn't have a TV back then, who knows? Um, the premise was that the contestant would get to choose a briefcase. Out of many briefcases, and that was, so then the one that they selected was theirs. They didn't know what was inside, theirs or any of the briefcases, but they knew that there was some amount of money, a dollar figure in each one of the briefcases, but you didn't know what was in yours or what was in the other ones. It could be as much as a million dollars. Woo! And it could be as little as, do you guys remember what the, what the smallest amount was? A, a penny, yes. A penny. So that's a pretty big range, right? It's a pretty extreme uh, range of outcomes here. You could be winning a million dollars or you could be walking home with a penny or something in between as well. So the, it was very interesting. I think the, the, the wrinkle inside of the game was that, you know, the contestants, so they go, okay, here's my briefcase, and then I, I'm like eliminating certain other briefcases throughout the game. But every so often, every few briefcases, there would be this banker who would call down to Howie Mandel and give him, you know, the offer, you know, the, the deal that the contestant would have to decide, do they, do they want to take the deal or say no deal? And the banker was like this shadowy figure kind of up up, you know, behind the glass, and he'd be like, you know, calling that in, and so there was this drama. I don't know about you guys, but I, when I watch game shows, I kind of, I kind of sweat along with the contestant, and uh, you know, just I don't know, you get kind of nervous for them. somewhere. I've never even met this person yet. My entire day is riding on them winning the money or not. Who knows? Maybe that I don't know what that phenomenon is, but it, it was, you know, that deal or no deal. That was the question at hand. Now, the thing that, that might surprise you about this uh, today, it's the thing that might surprise you, is that the 21st century, the Howie Mandel version of Deal or No Deal, uh, was actually a remake of the ancient Deal or No Deal version that launched almost 2,000 years ago. And uh, there's, sadly, all video footage of the ancient version has been destroyed, uh, so I cannot prove that I am right. You're just gonna have to believe me. But the ancient one, the stakes were way higher. And you're thinking, how could they be higher than winning a million dollars or something, Pastor? No way. Well, the stakes in the ancient version were life or death, you know, like eternity, eternal life or death. And the only remnant of anything that we have remaining from that original version of Deal or No Deal is the book of Hebrews. So we're gonna look at that today and see what it was all about. Um, so the, the letter to the Hebrews, it was written to, to these, yeah, Hebrews, Jews, who had begun to believe in Jesus and to follow him, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of all that the scriptures were pointing to. So they were Jews who were now believing in Jesus, but they were under intense persecution. They were wondering, 
is it worth it to hang on to Jesus? They knew Jesus was in their briefcase, but there were all kinds of other options out there that maybe would be a little easier or more comfortable, more familiar, that would bring less hatred upon themselves in this life. And so you know that these these people who are now subscribing to like this brand new Christian religion, this thing hasn't been around for very long. You know, Jesus, when, when they heard about him, it was just like a few decades ago that he lived and died and rose again. So they're kind of wondering, yeah, is it worth it to hang on to Jesus or should we grab something else instead? So they knew there were other alternatives out there. And uh, the author, well, actually, I should ask this. Uh, does anybody know, do you guys know who wrote the book of Hebrews in the Bible. Anybody? Yeah, you're right. Nobody does. Uh, nobody knows who wrote the book. So, but what we do know is that this person was also a Jew who believed in Jesus. And the people that he was writing to, he just assumed that they have intimate knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. That they know all the stories. You know, they, they know... Um, you know, the creation story and how Israel, you know, they knew like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and eventually how they get into slavery in Egypt and then they get out and they wander in the wilderness and there's the temple and the Ten Commandments and the promised land. They, they knew all this stuff. They knew, the, they knew the law. They knew the covenant. So he doesn't really give them a big introduction of all those things. He just kind of launches into the finer points of all of the Jewish faith and then how Jesus fulfills everything. And that's the, the two main goals that the author to the Hebrews had. Number one, to show that Jesus is superior to everything and anything else in the whole world and in, you know, the, in the faith that they had. That's number one. Jesus is superior. He elevates Jesus above everything. The second one is, his goal is to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus even in the midst of persecution even when some of their friends are getting imprisoned for their faith, to encourage and to challenge them to hang on to Jesus, no matter what. That kind of sets the scene here. And he has to just drill this home again and again and again. Even the, the first few verses of the letter, I'll, I'll reread just a little bit of that. He says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. You know, right there. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. God's speaking to us in all these various ways through Moses and all other of the prophets. But then he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yeah, that Jesus kind of a big deal. That's what he's saying. And he reinforces that again and again and again. God has done a brand new, greater thing than he's ever done before by sending Jesus. Let's talk about the implications of that. And that's how the letter progresses. Now, I'm going to ask for some, for you guys to be the contestants on Deal or No Deal today, okay? I've got four other briefcases back here. 
And you're going to have to, I, I'm going to make you guys talk and answer deal or no deal, okay? You're going to have to decide if you want the contents of one of these instead of Jesus. You could trade in the Jesus briefcase for something else. You're going to have four opportunities to make that decision, deal or no deal. I hope that you make the right one, but we will see. Here's some drama here today. The first briefcase. <clears throat> so the first thing is, um, the author starts to talk about the messages that we have received as God's people. So there's the message that came down on Mount Sinai to God's people Israel, the law, the Ten Commandments, instructions for how to live as God's people, set apart from all the other people in the world. So there's that. And then there's this message that Jesus brings when he comes. And he reinforces much of the first message, but he also clarifies and contradicts some of the misunderstandings that have taken place over the years. And you'll notice, even like in one of the verses that we read, verse 4 of chapter 1, and you'll notice like early in the letter, the author starts talking about how Jesus is greater than the angels. Have you guys ever for a second thought there was a chance that the angels were greater than Jesus? Like, no, probably not, right? Um, so you're probably thinking, why does he even have to talk about that? That seems weird. I've thought that was weird before. But I, I heard uh, a few years ago that there is this tradition in the Jewish faith that the angels, like, hand-delivered the original law, the Ten Commandments, the, the Torah, to Moses on Mount Sinai. So then it's like, oh, wow, so, like, the role of the angels, you know, so that, that original message, all those laws delivered, you know, coming down from above by these divine, you know, creatures. I mean, it, if you receive a message like that, that, that would, you know, you would definitely want to follow it. You'd be thinking, we're never looking for another one to replace this. You know, I, I wish that my sermons just came down, like delivered by angels. Imagine how much better they would be, guys, if that's how they came in. But that's not, I'm still waiting. That's not the way they come in. But you can imagine, for the Jews are like, so, you, so we're going to now, now this, this young upstart carpenter teacher is talking, and we're supposed to take his message above the angelic message given to the great Moses back then? So that's why he's talking about, well, who's greater, Jesus or the angels? Well, he says Jesus was involved in the creation of the universe. The Son of God creates everything. He created the angels. Well, how could the creator of the angels not be greater than the angels themselves? So he's kind of using this as an, as an argument. And then he says, well, also, you know, God gave the original message via the angels, supposedly, but you know, that's the word of God. But then, John in his gospel says that Jesus himself is the word of God. Not only does he bring a message from God, but he himself is the word of God. So, knowing all of this now, guys, I will offer you your first deal. Do you want the, the message from the angels back then, or do you want to hang on to the message, the gospel that Jesus brings? What do you guys think? Deal or no deal? Okay, I think we can get even a little bit louder than that. Deal or no deal? No deal. No deal. If you're at home, I'm sure you're used to already screaming at the television during game shows anyway, so just scream your answer. Yeah, no deal. You guys are one for one. We'll see how this progresses. All right, 
The next one now, this might get a little bit trickier because he starts talking about Jesus compared to Moses. And guys, you know, we've read through the Old Testament this year here at St. Paul. There are few, if any, figures who are bigger and greater than Moses in the Old Testament. This guy like towers above all the rest. You know, I mean, Abraham's a pretty big deal. David's a pretty big deal. But does, does anyone rival Moses? I don't know. Moses is right up there, larger than life, very big deal. And so when Jesus comes along, you see even people specifically saying stuff like, are you greater than Moses? <laughs> like with the assumption that the answer is no, of course not. And Jesus is like, well, yeah, actually I am. I am greater than Moses. You know, Moses promised, you know, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that there would be a greater prophet than himself to come, look for him, and Jesus is like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm the greater one. So now Moses did a lot of amazing things, right? He was the let my people go guy, getting them out of slavery in Egypt. He's the one who's leading them to the promised land. He's building the tabernacle where they're worshiping, where, you know, um, he is, he's doing so many things. He, he's the lawgiver, you know, he's the, the middle band between the angels and the people with that message. Huge deal, this Moses. But what about Jesus? Compare and contrast Jesus. Jesus doesn't just save people from slavery from a foreign nation. Jesus saves us from slavery to sin. Jesus doesn't just give the law, Jesus, as John says, gives grace and truth. Jesus gives the gospel. Jesus doesn't just, you know, build a tabernacle or a temple. He himself is the tabernacle. He is the temple of God dwelling among us. Jesus doesn't just lead us to the cusp of the promised land, you know, some geographical boundary that we may or may not get to live in depending on the time of history. Jesus is going to lead us to the eternal promised land. So what do you guys think? Briefcase number two. Do you want your, you want to still hang on to Moses? He was a great guy and all. Or do you want to stick with Jesus? What do you think? Deal or no deal? No deal. You guys are good. All right. Halfway home, people. Briefcase number three. We got to talk about the priests, Okay. The priest played a vital role for the, for the Israelites. They were the ones who were responsible for making the sacrifices so that people's sins could be forgiven. That's a big deal. I want to make sure that my priests are doing every single thing that they're supposed to be doing, offering those sacrifices. And this wasn't just like a, you know, occasional kind of a thing. This was like an endless cycle of sacrificing again and again because there was an endless cycle of sinning being done by God's people. So the priests are having to do this, probably having to do a lot of laundry to get the blood out of their clothes. I'm not really sure. But again and again and again. But here's the thing that, that's troubling is that the priests themselves, they were sinning. They were having to offer their own sacrifices for their own sins. So these are, these are incomplete, these are insufficient, these are flawed people trying to be the go-between between God and his people. And then Jesus comes. 
And Jesus says that he is the mediator. He is the only mediator between God and man. He is the high priest. And so one of the, one of the roles you know, that the priest had would be offering the sacrifices. We're going to talk about what Jesus did in that regard here in just a few minutes. Went above and beyond what any priest had ever done. But also one of, it, one of the things is just interceding between God and the people. And so I, I think about this. This is um, hopefully not sacrilegious. Always good to preface things with that, I think. I imagine Jesus being, being our mediator, being our high priest, standing before God the Father. And I also imagine Satan being there, trying to make us look guilty, bringing up all of our sins before God the Father. You can almost imagine like one on each of his shoulders, like in a comic or something. And Satan is just all the time trying to remind God of all the things that we've done wrong, and he won't let up again and again. Are you sure you want to let these people off the hook? Look at this long list of things that they have done. They're terrible. They deserve to die, to be condemned. They're guilty. And he doesn't let up. But the other one who doesn't let up is Jesus, and he is there as our mediator, interceding for us constantly, reminding the Father that he took all the sins of the world upon himself on the cross and died for them. All the sins, past, present, future, they're, they're, they belong to Jesus now, and they're gone. And Jesus remembered, no, these people are not guilty. I died for them. And you know who the Father listens to, right? He doesn't listen to Satan. He listens to his son. He's accepted the work of Jesus on our behalf. So do you guys want to go back to, uh, you know, the old priesthood? Or do you want to stick with our eternal, perfect, high priest Jesus? What do you think, deal or no deal? No deal, of course. That one was easy. Last one now. We got to get, we talked about the priesthood, you know, but, but the sacrifices that they would have to make. Again, this is like a constant thing. Sacrifices again and again every day and every year and all. I mean, you remember like the book of Leviticus, right? There's a lot of instructions there. Jesus comes, he is the priest, but he's also the lamb. The Lamb of God, he is the priest who offers himself as a sacrifice for sin. And no one else could have done it because no one else was sinless. No one else was spotless without blemish like Jesus was. So he died once for all. That sacrifice stands for us. It is still effective for us. It's not like God, God is saying, well, like, I don't know, every 30 years or so, I need to send somebody else to die and maybe, you know, kind of keep that going. No, it's been done. Jesus is that all-availing sacrifice for the sins of the world. So do you want to go back to sacrificing every day for our sins? I, it would kind of change my job description a little bit not really in favor of that? Or do you want to depend upon the once for all perfect sacrifice of Jesus? Deal or no deal? No deal. 
There is no, there's no good reason for us to ever let go of Jesus. There's no good reason to ever trade Jesus in for something else. Doesn't matter when you live, whether it was ancient times back when the letter of the Hebrews was written, or it's now, or in the future, there's always going to be difficult times. There's going to be times where your life might be a little more difficult hanging on to Jesus, following him, believing in him. You might be tempted to swap him out for something that's more familiar, that's more comfortable. That might be an easier path, at least in the short term. Something, you might want to trade Jesus in for something that maybe wouldn't bring so much hatred from the majority of the world these days. Maybe you want to swap Jesus out for something that makes more sense to you. Maybe something that, that you have to do rather than just like depending on someone else to take care of for you. A more active role rather than a passive role. These are all reasons that people say deal and they trade Jesus in for something else but don't do it. As you read through Hebrews this week, see again and again the encouragement and the challenge to hold on to Jesus no matter what. The deal that God has made with us to take our sins away, to give us eternal life, to take care of our earthly life and our eternal life, you know, we didn't have anything to do with that. He made that for us, without our help, that deal is the greatest deal of all time. That deal is sealed by the blood of Jesus, and it is yours. There's no other deal. Don't go looking for other deals. Say no deal to everything else. Jesus is holding on to you, and you, my encouragement, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't let go of Jesus. Hold on to him with all of your might. Cling to him in faith no matter what. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for that gracious, loving deal that you have made to make us your own. We thank you that you hold on to us at all times. And we pray that you will help us by faith to cling to Jesus and to say no deal to anything else that might be offered, anything else that we might be tempted to take. Strengthen us through whatever lies ahead in this life, knowing that you have prepared our eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray.